Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss, the official podcast of Somos Moss and M, and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and sometimes sports discussion from the biggest stories in the world of sports. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Joining me tonight, as always, we got Jacob Terrell, Earl Nieto. Guys, I'm super excited for this week. We're back on YouTube. We're back in the win in the win column. We've got a lot to get to. But before we do, I have one burning question. Are you ready for some football? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Man, like I got all this energy pumping out this energy. Yes. You're, you're usually the robot. I don't know what the fuck is going on. You're, you're throwing me off here. No, of course I can't wait. I mean, we just won the Super Bowl. We brought back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. Uh, we've got a rookie defensive end that's tearing it up in preseason and in training camp so far. Um, we start with an easy W on Thursday night. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be a good season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I hope my fantasy players do good. Cause I spent a lot of money on fantasy this year. So I'm excited. Earl, how about you? You ready? I'm ready for week two. <laughs> good answer. Earl. Because that's when good our season actually starts because this Thursday, Tom Brady's going to have a practice day with the a scrimmage game with the other team, and he's just going to carve the Dallas defense up like he always does. Um, so am I ready for football? Yeah. Week two, though. Is the cowgirl defense that bad? So some say no, but the fact that we have a rookie linebacker starting in Micah Parsons um, we have a rookie slot cornerback in Kelvin um, Kelvin Joseph. We have a, another subpar slot cornerback in Maurice Kennedy. And that's minus Jalen Smith, Leighton Vandrish, and um, what's the other dude's name? Um, Sean Demarcus Lee? Lawrence. Sean Lee's retired. Is he? I didn't realize that. Yeah, so minus Leighton Vandress, um, Jalen Smith, and Demarcus Lawrence, our defense is booty. <laughs> he said booty. And our offense, <laughs> we have Dak Prescott as quarterback. Our offense, we have Dak Prescott as quarterback. Um, we have Zeke Elliott at running back. And our wide receivers, I mean, we have Amari Cooper, who's okay. We have C.D. Lamb, who's okay. And we have Michael Gallup, who is, once again, okay. So our offense is that little brown cherry in the middle of your booty. That's where we're at. I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to respond to that. Um, so uh, the Rusty Sheriff's badge, is that what you're, that's what you're referring to there? Exactly. All right. <laughs> and we move on. <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, we're, we're going to move on from that part of it. But uh, so I, I know we've had our, our little, you know, our lineup prediction game going on. I don't know where we're at or the points on that at that point. Hopefully, uh, Jacob can update us at, at some point. I will um, get on that. Uh, I do have a new game for us. Something that I think we can do. Something we can manage. Uh, we're going to do a little NFL pick 'em. 
and uh, I sat down today and picked up picked out a, a handful of, of matchups, key things that I think you know we could probably try to predict. And uh, I've got six questions, well, five questions and a bonus. For each one we get right, you get one point. For the bonus question, you get it right, you're going to get an extra two points. So, week one, fantasy pick 'em. Question one: What is the first penalty that gets called this season? <laughs> Holding. Holding. Defensive or offensive? It's going to be a, a holding call. Defensive offensive. or offensive? Offensive holding. Okay. Well, they cut back offensive. on offensive holding a lot last year. And so I think they'll continue that. Because so here's the thing. If Dallas has the... So if Dallas has the ball first, there will definitely be at least five... Where's my fucking screen? Five offensive holdings within the first drive. Hey, girl, get, girl, get right up on that mic, dude. That sounded so good right there. Okay, Just get Earl. right up on it. Yeah. Earl, in order for there to be five offensive holding penalties in the first drive, that means you have to get a first down. That has to be five Not plays. necessarily. And that's not going to happen. Nope. Not necessarily. You can get a holding on the first down, which means it's holding its first down again. <laughs> And you can just yeah, get holdings every fucking <laughs> play. Okay. I don't think that's <laughs> there will happen. be five five offensive holdings on Dallas the first drive, guaranteed. I will say the first penalty is a false start. False start. Okay. That's not a bad that's not a bad call. You know. If I if I had said, you know, if you tell me the, the situation, the scenario, who get, who has the ball when it happens, I think the first one's gonna be a roughing the passer call. Because the Dallas O line isn't able to stop the Tampa Bay defense. Well, that's why they're gonna. That's why they're gonna have false starts and holdings because because <laughs> the tackles are gonna try to get off the line quicker than they're supposed to to try to stop our edge rushers, and then the interior offensive line is gonna be holding the interior defensive line to keep them from getting to Dak. So the, I I really need you guys so to play for Dak. You really need you to play for Dak this game. <laughs> Your interior line is going to do great because Doctor, yeah, Doctor Sean, Sean Tracy or something like that, um, diagnosed Zach Martin with COVID. Ooh. I don't know why you had to throw the doctor's name out there like that. Like that is so doesn't matter to me. Okay, next question. Uh, you, you, <laughs> next question. All right, Keep question going. two, week one. Who finishes week one with more interceptions? Jameis or Dak? Jameis. I give Jameis three INTs this week. Three interceptions. No, dude. Jameis got LASIK. He can actually see the difference in teams now. He's going to be fantastic. I got to go Dak. <laughs> All right. I have no oh. faith in Jameis as a passer. Uh, so I'm going to go Jameis. He no faith real. at all. Well, that's an easy point for me. That's nice. <laughs> all right. Question three. Which division allows the most points in week one? Ooh. And if these, these, if I'm going to actually answer these, I have to do some research here. I can't just, <laughs> can't just throw out a name. I got to see who's playing who and, and, uh, NFC. Let me tell you now, NFC East. 
NFC East. Okay, so, all right, that's all right. So you want to run through the matchups real quick: Dallas, Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Minnesota, Cincy, San Francisco, Detroit, Arizona, Tennessee, Seattle, Indy, uh, Chargers, and Washington Football Team, New York Jets at Carolina, Jacksonville at Houston, Cleveland at Kansas City. Miami at New England, Green Bay at New Orleans, Denver at New York, Chicago at Los Angeles uh, Rams, and then the Baltimore Ravens at Las Vegas. So the AFC North. Yeah, NFC East. All right, so AFC North, NFC East. Uh, I'm actually going to say the NFC South. And Tampa Bay is probably going to be the least points allowed among those among those teams there. So, that's yeah, probably it's not a bad pick. But I don't know about the Eagles' offense, and I definitely don't know about the Jets' offense. So the Saints could give up quite a few points to the Packers, but we're not going to give up any to the Cowboys. So, <laughs> all right. Question number four: Which quarterback will have the best QBR after Week One? Rodgers, Mahomes, or Brady? So for reference, Mahomes is, playing, Mahomes is playing a very good Browns team. Rodgers is playing the Saints. And then Brady, of course, is playing the Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to go Brady. You guys, I, I really <laughs> think this is like... Rodgers. I, I think this is like a 42 to... 14 game here. I, I think it's an absolute destruction. I'm gonna I honestly have I also have Rodgers as well. I think Rodgers is gonna have a fantastic game against the Saints. So I don't what, trust the Saints anymore. Here's what this is lining up to be. I'm either gonna kick your guys' ass or I'm gonna be so far behind both of you, it's gonna be hard for me to catch up <laughs> for the rest of the season. Well, see, that's why I tried to. I didn't want to just do like straight pick them, you know, against who's going to win what matchup. Like, I think like these are like good things. I think these are in depth things to look at, you know. So, all right, week one, it's the Rogers Revenge Tour. So, yeah, Rogers is going to play pissed this year. That's right. Uh, all right, question five, week one, are there going to are there any special teams touchdowns, and if so, who? Hmm. You bastard. <laughs> the Patriots. Patriots. Okay. I know this is a tough one. I I was having a hard time on this one too. I'm thinking, you know, who are the who are the premier like return guys now? Or, you know, do we see you know, like a, a blocked kick or something? Because we saw a number of blocked field goals last year. I'm going to say no. No. Okay. That's that's probably the smart answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like I said, I, I thought this one, I thought it was probably one of the tougher questions I came up with on the, on the list here, but um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's not it. someone that stands out in my mind to run something back or block something and take it back. I mean, yeah, there's not a Devin Hester or a Percy Harving or something like that. So no, yeah, I mean, my you know, honestly, my money's on the no. I don't think with all the changes that we've seen in the rules, you know, the kickoff rules and all that kind of stuff, I don't think there is. And I don't think there's a, you know, I don't think we see a, a defensive stand or something, you know, turnover 
and that type of uh, special team situation. So, all right. Final question, bonus round. This is going to be worth two points. Monday night football, Baltimore Ravens, Las Vegas. Points, total points scored Monday night. Less than 30, 30 to 45, or greater than 45? Greater than 45. Go ahead, Seth. You know, I, I have I'm having a hard time with both of these with both of these teams. You know, of course you've got Derek Carr, you've got Lamar Jackson, but can Derek Carr hasn't impressed. I'm not a big fan of you know Gruden, but uh, and then I don't know what weapons they have available in Baltimore and what they can do. So um, I'm gonna say thirty to thirty five, thirty to forty five. I'm sorry, man. All of that I thought you were gonna go zero to thirty. I thought about it. I, I was really leaning that way. That puts me in a pickle because I wanted the thirty to forty-five. But well, you can you can take it. You don't have to take the under thirty. I know. I know I can take it, but do I want to try to get two points and say under thirty? But then that means somebody's getting two points, and if it's not me, then I don't like that. Uh, I gotta go thirty to forty-five. Thirty forty-five. All right. So there we go. We have our our, uh, our first week of NFL predictions, and uh, we'll keep this going every week throughout the season. We'll see uh, where we come out. These uh, these should be pretty easy to keep track of. So, um, looking forward to it. Uh, it's Thursday night kickoff going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, that's not on like NFL Network or some shit, right? No, it's on in NBC. NBC. Oh, sweet! I can watch that one then. NBC. Oh, wait. Open house. And I get my kids open house on Thursday night. <laughs> What's more important? Skip it. <laughs> Skip it. <laughs> well, if if, if my kids aren't feeling good, then I will. But um, so yeah, yeah your kids are sick that night. It. Yeah, no, my, no, my son, uh, my my youngest son woke up Monday Monday morning with a hundred almost hundred one fever. Jeez. Yeah, and uh, no idea what what's going on. You know, he, this is the second time being sick since school started. So, but uh, he's feeling better now. Might get him. Uh, might might go back to school on Thursday. So, you know, give them a full 24 to 48 hours without having fever. So, you know, always fun, but that's not what we're here for. We're not here to talk about our kids. Uh, We are here to talk New Mexico United and guys, we can finally talk about something good, something great that happened to this team Saturday night out at the lab, New Mexico United defeated Colorado Springs switchbacks FC by a final of three to two winning easily winning the season series with Colorado taking three wins out of four matches this year and United currently set two points out of the playoff race after results from around the division happened uh, over the weekend and so I mean this is you know we went into this so I think we if I remember correctly we all predicted United was going to win this um, I believe we had 2-1 3-1 and 2-0 3-0 2-0 no 3-0 Okay, I think I'll pick it three now. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. I knew. I remember two of the predictions. I couldn't remember the third. But we came out Saturday night, scored in the third minute, looked really good. You know, for pretty much the entire, pretty much the entire game. And then you know, obviously we have the 
the unfortunate own goal by by Rosh, you know, um, United came came back, scored two more goals after that. Colorado did pick up a, th- a second uh, in the 88th minute. We saw a red card in stoppage time, and we'll talk about that as well. And uh, but, guys, how does it feel to finally be talking about a win again? Oh, it feels great, and I I think it. Uh, more importantly, some of the details from it make it even better. Like, had we won uh, one nothing on like an own goal or a set piece goal, it might be a little different. But um, but the way we did it has me very optimistic that maybe coach will finally see something that we've all seen for a long time. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think we oh, do. Let's think just Casey say JPG's not week. that good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I think he's worse than that. Yeah, so I, I feel great to be talking about a win and the way it came about, like I said, is fantastic. So uh, well, we can dive into some of the minutiae of it in a minute. I'll let Earl talk for a minute first. Oh, no, carry on, carry on. See, All right. I'm um I'm a little pre entertained right now with a fantasy draft going on. Ah, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, great time to do your draft, Earl. While we're in the middle of the show, I know five yeah. minutes ago he didn't even start fantasy football, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and now he's like, "Oh yeah, I need to I need to do that." It's, why on it? Why NFL Network though? I'm in why the waiting NFL.com? I don't know. That's a good question. It's it was because so, the, so annoying. The Yahoo one wasn't working for me. Listen, listen, listen. The Yahoo one wasn't working, and the ESPN one was just giving me fucking fits. So I said, eh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I typically wait. do ESPN, yeah. Anyways, anyways. Um, so, yeah, the the biggest thing when the lineup came out was there was one name that was uh, glaringly absent in a positive way, and that was Juan Pablo Guzman. And, uh, look, Juan Pablo, if you listen to this, I'm sorry. I truly am. Because I, I've i talked to you a couple times. I uh, I think you're a great human. I think the whole team is full of great humans. But on the pitch has just not, not, been, not been great. So <clears throat> um, we saw that. We, I, was, I was optimistic. Um, we had... The, the actual lineup that came out on social media had Rivas up top and Isidro playing next to Azira. But then real quickly, like in the first couple minutes, you saw Rivas drop way back. And you saw Isidro kind of step up a little bit and they kind of flip-flopped. And and as the, the name of this episode is called, Casey was right. Uh, Casey Gasson was on last weekend or last week with us. And he mentioned Rivas playing in Tenari or in Guzman's spot, and that's basically what we saw. And we saw saw Rivas contribute to both goals, uh, the assist on the Suggs goal, which was a beautiful through ball. Um, just spun that that uh, what would that be left back? Just spun him around completely. Uh, Suggs cut in off his shoulder, and and um, it, that was just beautiful. And then the play that. Weehan scored on. It was another beautiful through ball from Rivas to Suggs again, but then this time Suggs uh, obviously cut it back to Weehan right there at the top of the, or at the, basically at the top of the six, um, who finished with a beautiful volley. So 
seeing that and then seeing how it changed when Guzman came in. Um, he didn't have his worst game. Uh, he did give the ball away a couple times right after he came in. But the offense, after Rivas moved up to the top and Guzman and Azira were there in the middle, was non-existent. Um, those last 10 minutes after Guzman came in, we didn't see hardly any attack whatsoever. So hopefully that leads to Coach seeing that and going, oh, hey, this worked, this clicked. Let's roll with it for a while and see what happens. I'm well on board with the JPG is not our greatest midfield. I'm on board with that. Immediately after the game Saturday night, there are people bashing JPG for his play and saying we immediately lost the midfield when he came in. It's about time. Now, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a couple exceptions to this. You know, I you know JPG had one giveaway. I saw you know you could see what he was trying to do you, on that like the that chipped pass over he's looking I think it was looking for Sergio or maybe it was Josh over on the left. You could see what he was trying to do and the ball just you know wasn't quite on the mark. Uh, leading up to that, he did get tackled from behind and yes, lost the ball, but the ref called a foul. But he, JPG was not the reason that we proceeded for, and really, honestly, you could say like the last 15 minutes counting stoppage time. That's where we started to have issues. And you can't put all of that on JPG. That's on Colorado and what they were doing to try to find an equal, find that second goal right. and then find an equalizer later on. Now, if you look at the stat line from Saturday night, JPG had a pretty good night. He did. He had a pretty good night. You know, he, I think he won like six or seven duels, had, had an interception or two. Like he didn't have a bad night. And the thing about that defensive mid role is that unless they make mistakes, they're not going to show up. And like, really, I, I could not see JPG doing anything like terrible on Saturday night. So like, I understand we don't like JPG. JPG has passed his prime. We need someone else in there. I get that. But to come in and blame JPG for Colorado pressing as hard as they were, like, that's not on JPG. Come on, guys. Well, so I don't. The one post, I don't remember all of it, but it was, I don't remember him specifically saying um, too much about that night in particular. But you cannot, if you watch that match and you watch the first 70 minutes with no JPG and in the last 20 with JPG, yes, Colorado started pressing. We gave up one goal with JPG on the pitch. They scored that second one with him on the pitch. We technically didn't give up any goals without it or with him out there or without him out there. Sorry, when he was on the bench. And we scored three when he was not there. And we scored zero when he was there. And we have talked the whole season how the offense has looked dead for multiple reasons. And then all of a sudden, you get Rivas in there for the JPG role, and our offense comes alive almost directly because of Rivas. Like I said, he has... he That 
the goal, the Suggs goal, not only was the through ball just perfect, he won the ball in the defensive third. Pass it around a couple times right there, and then realizes he has space in front of him. Juan Pablo Guzman does not make that run with the ball. No, Juan Pablo I get Guzman that. dribbles back and forth and then passes it backwards no, or passes it forward 10 feet. I absolutely get that. Like JPG, when we've talked about this, JPG is not a, a player that, that goes forward. He is a defensive mid. He is not someone that's got to run at defenders to try to make space. And that's what Sergio can do. Absolutely, Sergio could do that. And, I, and I, I have, I'm not taking anything away from Sergio. Sergio had a fantastic performance on Saturday night. And, you know, when we sat down, when we talked to Troy after the fact, you know, I even asked him about the, about dropping JPG. I specifically asked him about, dro- about dropping JPG. And he, and Troy talked about Sergio's, Sergio's uh, verticality and what he can bring to the offense. And so, like, there's, I have no problem with it at all. I just I, I take exception to people who just like flat out just like blaming JPG for the last like 15 minutes of the match and saying that it's his fault. I you I, know that's what I have a problem with. I get it, but there's a direct correlation between when the match when we looked dangerous on the offensive end and still played solid defense and only gave up the one own goal to when our offense just stopped completely and we give up one goal. And if it wasn't for Illich's header or headed clearance, we give up a tying goal. And both of those other, both of those second things happen when Guzman is on the pitch. So it wasn't necessarily Guzman passing the ball to a Colorado Springs player that started any of that. Like it has been in the past, but I think it's a mindset thing with everybody on the pitch that when Guzman's in there, Things are different. They just are. We've seen it for 20 and a half games now, basically, where the offense and the defense alone, they just don't look the same. He made too many mistakes throughout the season, and it's not so much looking at his game Saturday in a vacuum and saying, oh, he did this wrong, and he did this wrong, and he did this wrong. It is when you look at the whole big picture of the season – including the second half when he was in there last Saturday, the offense and the defense just looked different. And I think even if it wasn't him that gave the ball up, or even if you said he had a good statistical game and and wasn't necessarily there, uh, the, the problem necessarily, quote-unquote, uh, it's a correlation to me between those two things. And if coach wants to bring him on the second half like he did and Guzman can have a decent game, that's fine. I just think it should have been for a Zira instead of a Cedro. And you still let Rivas be that player next to Guzman to where we can kind of sit in still and Rivas can do a Cedro's job and can do Guzman's job and can do a Zira's job and play that defensive mid. But with Rivas there, at least the other team has to think, okay, we can push forward, but if we push forward and we mess up, Rivas can make us pay. Azir and Guzman aren't going to make us pay, so let's keep sending numbers forward. So even if it's not a he passed the ball to Colorado Springs and gave up a goal, it is him being back there with Azira and the other team going, <laughs> well, the worst that's going to happen is he's going to pass it six yards in front of him 
and we can still press. It's not like he's going to dribble out of pressure or play a long ball over the top to Devin or something like that. Earl, what's your take on the the match Saturday night and specifically, you know, JPG and, and uh, the, some of the comments that have been made around social media? So we all know my take on JPG. Um, obviously, I've never been a fan of him, um, and I'm not going to start tonight either. Um, with that being said, I'm going to continue on that bandwagon. We played an incredible 70 minutes without JPG, and then as soon as he stepped on the pitch, our offense died. We had no offensive power, and everything that came to the midfield line got sent backwards by either JPG or Azira. So I'm going to continue on it that I'm not a huge fan of JPG. Um, give me a couple seconds. Um, Julio who Jones picking? is your next pick. Who are you picking? T Higgins. <laughs> Calvin Ridley. There you go. All right. Back to what I was saying. I'm ashamed of both of you. All right. So I'm going to be interrupted here in a couple seconds again because it's a, it's a standard. What pick are you? Fucking like second to last. That's a good. I I was ninth and I liked it in my big money league. Yeah. Anyways, I'm, sorry. Go ahead. Anyways, so I'm 14 out of 15 and I'm about to draft again here in two picks. But anyways, um, so yeah, as soon as he stepped on the pitch, our offense died. We didn't have any kind of power. We didn't have any kind of motivation to get into the attacking third, and everything that wound up in the in the midfield pit in the mid, midfield line got sent back and I texted right away that how does Brendan Burke get a yellow, but Guzman doesn't, which he finally did get one. He doesn't play smart. He is either giving the ball up, which surprisingly he didn't do, or he's giving up stupid freaking tackles and stupid penalties and fouls and uh, not in penalties, but he gives up fouls. Um, an example is about four minutes into his playing time, he is sliding, he's tackling someone from behind and then asking the ref, well, what did I do wrong? You freaking tackled someone from behind. So I don't think he plays smart. Um, was I happy to see him on the bench? Ask the academy kids because they heard my opinion on it and they feel the same way as I do. Um, yeah, I can go on all night about this one. And I'm going to stop because it's my turn to draft again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking about his play, I mean, and, and we've seen it from both him and Tanari. They they make they do make bad decisions at times. They do make some rather rash tackles. And I know there are some folks that have been talking about, you know, when's he going to be suspended? You know, surely he's got enough to be suspended at this point. I mean, JPG has been awarded six yellow cards this season. And because of the good behavior um, rule that the, that, that is that is in there. Uh, three of those yellow cards would have been dropped. So he still has three sitting there because so he he got a. I think the only thing I do give to JPG. Um, so it's not all bad. Um, just because negativity is not my thing anymore. Um, yeah, right. We'll wait till next week. Um, <laughs> so the only good thing I do give to JPG is on that red card that was given. He was the first person there. He was the first person 
standing up to Nagalina or however the fuck you say his name and pretty much begging the ref to give something. So, yes, that's the only good thing I do give to JPG. Other than that, he's he is what I've been saying all day, booty, and that nice little Cheerio in the middle of it. <laughs> Earl, of course, is referencing the uh, the red card that was shown to Mitchie uh, Galena on Saturday night in about the 93rd minute of play. Um, if you're not familiar with the situation, I mean, you, most, most of you probably are at this point. Uh, Ball went out for a Colorado Springs th- uh, corner. Uh, one of the ball boy, the ball manager behind uh, United's goal over in front of the left field bullpen had who one is, ball in. He is an academy player for New Mexico United. Just, yes, who, just gonna throw it. So he knows he knows damn good and well what he was doing there. Yeah, so he is an academy kid. Uh, he had one ball in hand. The other ball, you know, uh, got tossed to him or something. He and he rolled him, it. Yeah. He bounced to him. He he turned. He rolled it towards the towards the corner. Uh, neither Galena or the other switchbacks player that came up to him, you know, saw that obviously. And, uh, you know, I, again, I know some people are saying he was time wasting. I mean, he's obviously not time. He's already sent, put a, sent the ball over to the corner. You know, it's not, you know, it's not, there's like, it's not his fault that Galena and the other switchbacks players didn't see it. Um, so I, I don't think there was any intentional time wasting there. You know, as soon as Galena came up to him, at, said something to him, he gave him the ball. And hey, then Galena, on, obviously, hang on, take a timeout. Take a timeout. Um, thank you, Earl, because I disagree with this completely. So I was so United was a little bit short this week on staff and field crew, i.e., um, ball boys. So there was quite a few young kids on that field that were. Called up at the very, very, very last minute. I think we we're about ready to kick a ball when we found these ball kids. I was there when they did the little tactical instructions. I'm not going to give the tactical instructions away, but there are some tactics involved. So do I think he was wasting time? No. But do I think he was very <laughs> tactful in what he was doing? Yes. Well, he... He has been a ball boy before. I have seen him there. He's one of the academy kids. I cannot think of his name. Paolo. I don't want to call him out. Paolo. And so I uh, I know he's been out there before. He was clearly time-wasting, guys. <laughs> hey, hey, he, hey, it's not time-wasting. It's tactfully handling he, the ball. He did roll the ball, yes. He rolled it as slow as he possibly could to where it would actually make it to the corner. He did it behind the boards where even if Galena wanted to run up and grab it, he would have had to run around the boards. I don't know if anybody, if they saw it or not, they might not have. Um, and that might've been why they got mad, but, but he knew what he was doing and yeah, he tossed the ball to Galena eventually, but uh, he, 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 it was it was it was some gamesmanships for sure. Well, gamesmanship or not, Galena once he received the ball from the ball boy, proceeded to throw it back at him. Oh, he and, didn't throw uh, it. it. He rocketed it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He 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 threw it back at at the ball boy, <laughs> hit him, and uh, was showing a red card pretty quickly. And uh, none of the switchbacks obviously came to his defense. Uh, which is understandable, and 
yes, I think it was yesterday, the league came out and made their announcement on his punishment. And typically violent conduct gets you three matches. Galena was given a two match suspension. Um, before we you know, finish talking about the match, I mean, do you guys feel like that's a fair suspension for, for violent conduct? No, I feel like it should be three to four, especially the nature of how it was done and who it was done to. I mean, it's one thing if you're throwing it at JPG's face. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's another thing if you're throwing it at a 16-year-old's torso slash genital areas. That's unacceptable. I mean, probably should have been three, but I'm not going to throw a tantrum over it being two. Uh, what, what stood out to me in that whole scenario were two things. Um, you mentioned Guzman earlier, um, standing up for him early. Wyden sees it. Wyden's like the captain of the defense, right? And he was over there trying to get everybody in place for this corner. And he sees it. And just books it from right in front of the goal, basically at the penalty spot over there to have the kids back. And then on the other team, you got to love Haji Berry, man. Haji Berry was right there, helped the kid up, put his arm around him, gave him a little tap on the chest, made sure he was good. Um, Haji Berry is just, from every experience that I've had with him and seen and, and and not even on the pitch, just off the pitch. He, the dude just seems like a gym, just a complete sweetheart of a guy. And uh, I, w- I was happy to see that because it could have been easily I, – it could have been easy for the Colorado Springs players to see that and maybe think that the ball boy was playing it up a little bit and kind of brushing him off and arguing. And, and none of them really did that, but – Barry went the extra mile and and grabbed him and helped him up and and uh, said some kind words to him. It seemed like, anyways, and gave him a little pat and, and then went to go play and and that shows just kind of the person that Haji Barry is and he's somebody that if he ended up on United at any point, I would not be upset at that at all, even if he wasn't scoring seventeen, eighteen goals. Yeah, it's props to him for doing that, and uh, the United players are going to run over there and standing up for uh, for for the, for the ball manager. And you know, yeah, I felt like it was I felt like it was a little too soft on the punishment. I mean, the, my thing is, it's an adult base, you know, throwing a ball at a minor. Okay, like that's where I have an issue with this. Like, yes, yes, he is one of our academy players, but he's a minor. And Galena is an adult, and that sort of behavior shouldn't be tolerated at all. And, I mean, kudos to the league for making a decision as fast as they did, but I think three or four would have been a better better call in terms of suspension. Uh, I feel like, like I said, I just feel like two is just a little soft, you know. I don't think it really, you know, says, hey, you know, we're not going to tolerate this kind of stuff. I mean, we saw um, – there was, I think it was Charlotte. A few, a few, was it Charlotte? Kicked the ball into the stands, and uh, got like a. I think it was like four or five match suspension for that. So I don't know. I just, I, I think like I, I just think USL kind of missed it, missed the mark a little bit here. And you know, while, while I'm sure they don't condone the actions, 
you know, two matches and an undisclosed fine, which the player's not actually going to pay. You know, switchbacks are going to pay that. Uh, I just don't think it's enough. But neither here nor there. We don't talk about Colorado Springs a- anymore this season. But you know, there were some very good things that came out of the match tonight. Obviously, the the run up to the first goal in the third minute, bees puts on a uh, fantastic shot off the volley. Again, you know, Sergio got the got the hockey assist there. Josh with an assist, and then I thought that was fantastic to see and then the energy level was just there it, it was pretty well spot on the entire match um you know i think rosh and rosh got the unfortunate you know own goal um you know i think we could all see like what rosh was trying to do you know either head the ball you know to to the side of goal or over the goal one of the two and just didn't quite get the angle right so it's just unfortunate for rosh but i was glad to see the guys respond to that the way that they did and come back out and get a second goal there in the first half. Yeah, I think that, well, one, I'm, Rosh has been absolute nails lately. So, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw him under the bus just because of that own goal. And I, I think that almost, I hate to, to give Earl any more ammunition, but I think that comes down to Tembacus a little bit. I'm not saying he should have stopped it. But there was nobody behind Rosh. I mean, it was it was clear. Uh, that's on Tembakis to either communicate, hey, you're good, just let it go, or hey, I got it, and Tembakis needs to come out and get it. Um, but all in all, it's it happens. It's it's not. It's so not, when, uh, what, when you say there was no one behind Rosh, you mean? There was not a Colorado Springs player behind Rush. Yeah, there was. He was right behind him. I'll have to watch it again. Because I remember I, watching I, it and going, that was clear, I thought. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I will say that. But, either way, it happens. Goals like that happen. I mean, own goals are a thing. That's why they, that's why he, uh, uh, well, we got one last week um, with Phoenix punching in off a of dude's nuts. So things like that happen. I'm not gonna not gonna fret too much about it. And like you said, I I was very happy with how they bounced back and and stayed on the attack and stayed pushing and ended up getting that second goal. And then uh, it was nice to actually come out of halftime and get a goal instead of giving up one out of halftime. Yeah, that was nice. You know, Dev gets down down in the box and uh, takes a foul. Um, I know. I think we can all. I think we all agree. It might have been somewhat soft on the foul, but it was a foul in the box, and that was the first time since August of last year that we've even been awarded a penalty, which is absolutely insane. You know, it just feels like it's it's been so long. And so we were talking about it, you know, in the press boxes, like that's just unbelievable. And the time before that was in uh, June of last year. So it's, it's been a while since we got to the spot. And so, you know, it was good to see, you know, Dev in there having the, having the know-how to get in there and take that foul, you know, and, and get that call. So. Well, and, and two things there. One, we don't, we don't create, a lot in our own box. We try to play, we try to create for more either out wide or kind of centrally towards the top of the box. So there's, 
we don't have a lot of possession inside the box. There's not a lot that we do that is in a position to draw penalties, uh, which is, it has always kind of bothered me. And one thing that Dev does really well is hold up play. And so on a case like that, where you've got to throw in that you can take directly to him, um, you can see things like that. And, and it, it's tended to work out for us. So, you know, the more possession you have inside the penalty box, the more likely you are to get penalties called for you. And so hopefully we see more of that going forward where, you know, Dev has his back to the goal and is backing somebody down. And, but then and the thing that kind of drives me nuts is Dev is officiated very strangely. You can see times when he just gets annihilated uh, going up for a header or, or going for a loose ball or something, and they just let it go. But then you see like that penalty, which I think was a little soft. And you had a few just outside of the box that were called Saturday night that I thought were kind of soft. And so I just wish I could see some consistency from the officials when it comes to Dev. I know he's a big, strong dude. And a lot of times he's going up against people that are smaller than him. But it's kind of like Shaq in the 90s, you know. Hack a Shaq. Well, just Shaq was so big and like kind of like LeBron now. Uh, he's just so big and and getting getting fouled. He's so strong that he's able to finish through it. And so they don't call the foul on him a lot of times, even though he gets hit. And so Dev, I think a lot of times it's he either fights through it so it doesn't look that bad or he initiates the contact. And because he's so big, they're like, oh, no, that was on you, even though maybe it necessarily wasn't. So I'd just really like to see some consistency there and help us to game plan in a positive way for that to where, yeah, if they're calling penalties then or calling fouls, then send the ball long to Dev and, and have him go up and get it and try to bring it down and get fouled. But that just doesn't seem to happen very often. Also, just a side note on Dev, he is also not a friendly interviewer. <laughs> yeah, Dev's answers Saturday night were very short. Um, and he kind of like stared me down. Oh, he gave you the beauty eye glare. Like, why the fuck yeah. are you asking me a question like that? Well, what was the question? So the question was, you know, uh, Dev got fouled. I mentioned, you know, that it had been a while since United had gotten someone to the spot. And I said, in a situation like that where it's been a while and, you know, Rodriguez is there trying to ice you out, like what's your process, you know, in, in preparing for that and and getting and stepping up to take that shot? <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty fair question, you know. Um, you know, it's been, a, you know, again, you know, been a while and Rodriguez was clearly trying to ice him, you know, standing off to the side, you know, drinking his water, taking his time and, but yeah, Dev just like stared me down while he was answering. <laughs> it's really quite funny. Um, so it's weird because Devin usually gives pretty good answers, and he's usually pretty cordial in in the press conferences. Um, so his, I wonder if it's his exact answer yeah. to that question was, "It's all a mind game." I wait till he's ready, it? then it's a mind game. I oh. wait till he's ready, and it's a mind game. And then stared at Seth yeah. like you're an idiot for asking that question. 
That's that's strange to me. But hey, who knows what kind of mood he was in? Maybe he was annoyed because uh, he knows that we've been talking a lot of crap about the team, and he's like, "There's your win. Don't ask me stupid questions. I don't want to talk to you." <laughs> well, the other the other question I was directed to him was uh, basically, you know, I feel like a monkey's been a monkey off the off their shoulders, you know, monkey off their back, and that was answer was like, "Well, uh, let's wait till next week." Yeah, we'll see next week. Yeah. So he's learning from Troy. Good. good. <laughs> I mean, it was funny because like you know we got really good answers like from Troy and Josh, and I thought B you know B's gave some pretty good answers too, and but yeah, and like you said, Dev is usually very jovial, very friendly, you know, and it was just it was just strange. But I mean, it was definitely it was definitely a different atmosphere, you know, from what we've been seeing from the guys and from Troy um, over the past you know two months basically, and then them coming out and you know they're like they're kind of joking around a little bit when they came up. I guess like they were joking saying they were waiting for uh they're waiting for Josh to come out of the locker room so they could all come up together. And I guess Josh came out separately and beat them up to the to the press area, <laughs> and they're like, "How did you get up here?" He's like, "Oh, they're just shortcut." <laughs> So Dev, gonna... Dev had a quote that they posted it on social media, and then of course we get the the quote sheets in our email. Um, and he had one that I saw on social media, and then the thing that that kind of made me think. And uh, it was it was his answer to closing out the win. Apparently, I don't know what the question was because we don't get that information. But he says, "quote Last week after Phoenix, we got together. We had a really honest conversation, a heart to heart with a good group of guys on what we need to do." What can we all do better? Looking at ourselves individually and collectively, we executed that tonight. So the question on that one, be, I gotta be thinking that JPG was at the center of that conversation. <laughs> so the question that was asked was, "What was your mindset after last week's heartbreaking loss coming into this week's game, and how do you how do you focus on this week's game going off of last week's heartbreaking loss?" Well, it, it's like a, a team-only meeting, a players-only meeting in the NBA after a team's like in a rough patch, and they sometimes they work, sometimes it, it it turns the team around, and sometimes it backfires. And I think that has to do a lot with the players that are on the team, whether they have egos or not. And I don't think this team has a lot of egos. Um, I think that might be why Brian Brown is no longer on this team, um, because goal scorers typically have egos at least a little bit. And, uh, and you kind of saw that with his body language at times when he didn't get what he wanted. But anyways, I digress. Um, so with the players that we have on this team and their, their mindset and their attitude, most of the time that we've seen, I think a player's only meeting works really well. And, and I think that that mixed with lineup changes could have led to this this really fantastic outing that we saw. Um, I mean, even the goals that they actually scored, it was a perfectly placed pass that, like, kind of held up in a triangle of Sheed, Ryden, and Tembakis. Like, it was just kind of like in no man's land, kind of like a little pop fly in baseball that lands in the shallow outfield. And... Um, I can't remember who it was. Who scored that goal? Why can't I think of his name? Uh, that was uh, 37. Crap, sorry. I'm looking it up. Uh, uh, Toure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just got to it first. 
and was able to get it up and over 10 buckets. And, and that, I mean, I can kind of live with that kind of goal because it takes like a absolutely perfectly placed ball that, you know, happens sometimes. We saw Haji Berry just happen a couple weeks or a couple matches against Colorado Springs ago. So you kind of see that kind of stuff happen and you just tip your hat and you move on. And I think we, we held on there at the end barely, but but you definitely could tell that they came together there at the end and said, okay, we got to, we have to get this freaking win. And everybody kind of left it out there. We saw Illich with a right after the red card on that corner that they earned during that right before that red card. Uh, ball came in, kind of bounced around a header that was didn't have a whole lot of pace on it, but it was headed for that upper 90. And Illich is able to just kind of rise up out of nowhere and get his head to it, put it over the bar uh, for another corner, which was dealt with easily. And, and away we went. And then, and then of course the last play of the game, um, kind of a loose ball falls directly to Haji Berry, who puts his laces on it and scared the crap out of me. Uh, but it was right at Timbakis and Timbakis was able to catch it, lay down on it. And then they blew the whistle and And that was it. Three points, three points to us. Austin did beat San Antonio tonight, by the way. Um, did they really? Yeah, two to one. That is not great, but not bad for us. Like that's unexpected. It is a little unexpected, but uh, I, I'm okay with it because I would rather have those teams kind of beat up on each other and win here and win there, as opposed to one of them just kind of running away with it. Because now we're kind of you know we could pass Austin, we could pass SAFC. Um, I don't, I don't think we'll catch Colorado, but but everybody else, RGV is like you know freaking tailspin right now. So, I mean, to be fair, Harry thought I was. You know, Harry was DMing me the other day, and Harry was in the under impression that Austin Bold was basically thrown in the towel on their season. And I mean, look at this. I mean, even if we, you know, looking at Saturday night and looking ahead to Friday night, if we do win. I mean, on, just looking at our result against Austin, if we win, we would jump into fourth, um, and we would, be, we would be behind San Antonio on goal differential. But you know, I, there's a lot of ways that this can still play out. And you know, I just, you know, I, before we do look ahead, I do want to go back. I want to talk about that that second goal that Colorado scored. You mentioned the ball kind of got lost in an area, like between like Rosh. Ryden and, and Tambacus and you know looking at the way that this goal plays out so the the delivery from Torres comes from you know j- uh, just their side of the of the midfield line and you've got Illich deeper than both Bees and Cello not uh that was Sergio right Sergio at that point so like first of all why is Illich deeper than both of those guys. Number one, number two, you've got JPG just on our side of the midfield line. He seems to be trying to cut off some of the passing angles there. I don't have a problem with that, but where I have a problem is that Rosh is pushed up almost to the center circle, leaving tons of space behind him. And the ball gets played into an area behind between Josh Suggs and Kalen Ryden. Suggs, who is tracking, trying to track back. 
And so it was a perfect pass from Torres. I don't understand what, what Rosh was doing in that situation. I don't understand why Rosh was pushed so far up. I don't understand why Illich was so, was so uh, dropped so deep. So there are some questions here. I'm trying to figure out what happened. Why were we seemingly like out of position at this one point? And then, you know, after the match, you know, Earl and I were talking in the box, you know, we're talking about Alex's positioning on that play. And, you know, I understand Alex's decision. I know why he came in. And I'm pretty sure that Casey would agree with me on this. Like Alex comes out to try to cut down on the angle and try to force a, an off balance, quicker shot than what Torrey wanted to take and basically just left him. You know, the only, the only option he had was to go near post and Torrey put a fantastic shot on the ball. So I don't know. I kind of wanted to, I just wanted to break that down a little bit and see what you guys thought about that. I mean, do we think it was just us being caught out of position? Cause I, you know, I like Josh. I think he's absolutely able to track back. He can do things like that. But, uh, but Torrey put himself in a fan, fantastic position. Torres put a great through ball on that. And I mean, they just, they capitalized on, on that moment. So I don't think it was, uh, <laughs> us out of position. I think it was, us just got beat. Um, we've shown that that can happen to us. I mean, Haji did it to us three times in one night. Um, so I think it was just us getting beat. Um, me and you did talk in the press box about Tom Bacchus's positioning and I have went back and I watched it and you know, I'm not even going to fight it because Tom could have been anywhere on the pitch and he was still going to get beat. Yes, I'm not. Illich, Illich, I don't know why you brought up Illich. To me, he's a non-factor in this play. Um, well, the reason I brought him, he had dropped, so he was the the closest person to Torres. We're we're playing a deep. You look at this play, and it's off a throw in. The ball goes into Torres, and actually, it doesn't go into Torres, but it gets played to Torres, and we have three guys on our half in the attacking half. And that's William Rivas and, and Illich. Illich chases the ball. That's why he's the farthest back at the point where it's played. But, so I, I mean, they're all right there. I can, as he's playing this ball, Weehan and Illich are within two yards of each other as far as depth. And then right in, or Rivas is probably like 10 yards in front of him. Um, Illich has the fresh legs, so he's going to be the one that's got the most energy running around chasing things. Um, but to me, I look at that and I see three people in our half. Where's the other eight? Where's the other not, seven, sorry, uh, besides the keeper. We know where he's at. And then you see the ball come through, and Sheed is the one that I I have no idea what's going on. I didn't realize it was Sheed was so far up. I thought he was in the Suggs position. So it actually falls into like no man's land between Suggs riding and Tambakis. Uh, I thought it was Sheed, but you're right. She is to me, Sheed is way out of position. I don't know why he's so far up unless he thinks it's going to go to, to Barry. And it could be because Barry is sitting there seemingly right in front of Sheed when the ball is played. And then you see Sheed kind of leave him and run backwards. So it, it could have been a thing of, Hey, Haji Berry is still out there, and Haji Berry is still probably the best player in the USL right now. 
don't let him beat us. She need if he's wherever he is, you need to be within this this close to him, and we'll deal with the rest with everybody else. Um, Suggs looks like he's marking the guy on the outside, and then he sees that ball coming in and goes, "Oh yeah, I got to get back." So, without knowing the details of of what was coached up at that time, I will I will say Sheed's out of position, and everybody else does pretty good if it wasn't for a perfect ball played from 40 yards away. Um, we're, we're not talking about the second goal at all. And and just like you guys said, Timbuk is coming out, I think, is the right move. He, he sees that his guys are clearly beat, comes out, thinks he can cut that angle off. Um, my biggest problem with goalies doing this isn't the fact that they do it, but it seems like they always slide or go down and like, it almost looks like Tambakis like matrixes the ball, like he comes sliding in and it goes like this. Yeah, and the ball goes, the ball goes basically right where, if he'd have just stayed straight up, it might have hit him in the face, but it wouldn't have gone in the net. And I see that constantly with goalies, not just Tambakis, but just goalies of all levels, whether it's Premier League or Bundesliga or or these World Cup qualifiers, they do it all the time. And, uh, maybe and maybe it's something we can ask Casey. And, you know why the why they did it. My thinking is that from that close, you're not going to want to try to put too much under the ball. You don't want to try to get you know not try to get it up too much because right. you're going to run a greater risk. So my thinking is that the keepers coming out, and they're going down to try to block the lo- a lower shot. You know, so that's what I think is why they're doing it. <laughs> well, they, um, they definitely they definitely try to make themselves wider instead yeah. of taller to cut down the angle of the size of the goal. But I, I, I just feel like offensive players have figured that out lately. Maybe it, I mean, I, I'm not a soccer uh, historian or anything like that. So I don't, I don't know exactly how it's been played like that, but I, I just see it time and time again where they do that. And then the ball goes over the head um, and it wouldn't go over their head if they just stayed tall and, yeah. and tried to stop it. I'm not saying like, go at him standing up like all crazy, but just don't matrix it. Just go in and, and, and stay drop down to your knees, maybe or something like that and slide down there, but don't bend backwards, like stay, stay vertical and, and uh, try to block it with your chest or, or head or something like that. So they can't chip it over you. But anyway, it's a fantastic finish. It's a great pass by Torres. And, um, yeah, you know, like you said, like I said, you just tip your hat to it and you move on. Yeah, so no, I get it. So I, I, I oh, go ahead, Earl. So table that question on why they do that. Um, Mr. Casey is actually typing the answer right now. All right, great. Uh, so I do, I do have one final question. And it's an, it's an oddity from the match Saturday night. So typically, what we see late in games, if if you score a goal and you're down. You know, you'll then run up, grab the ball, and take it back to the center circle to try to get play restart a little bit quicker. For whatever reason, the referee took the ball out of Kalen's hands after this goal was scored, and then walked the ball up to the center circle. What is the referee doing in this? I think like, he's 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 keeping it from being that whole. The defensive player rushes and grabs the ball. The offensive player comes up, tries to knock it out of his hand and hurry up. I think by the ref taking it out of Ryden's hand, you even see Yaya come up 
and like put his arm around the ref, like, hey, can I have the ball so I can hustle this up? And the ref's like, no, it's okay. I'm keeping track of time. I got it. Yeah. So I, I think it's more to just keep tensions from getting high, especially uh, in a match in the fourth match of a four game series with two division teams. And, and yes, that, that goal cut it to one with, you know, basically a minute left of regulation. And so to me, I didn't, I didn't rewatch it, but um, that's what I thought when I first watched it was, Hey, this ref has control of this match. And part of it was by, by taking the ball and saying, okay, instead of you guys going crazy and fighting each other, I'm just going to take this with me and I will set it down and we will get started. Okay. I was just curious what you guys like, because to me it was weird. Like I've never seen a referee do that. And you know, as a referee, I wouldn't think to do that. I just be like, okay, let's just get the ball back to the center and, and go. Now, like if Kalen had pulled the ball out of that and like ran over the sideline with it or punted it at, you know, over the left field wall, then I could understand, you know, but you know, Kalen got it and was walking, you know, I mean, he hadn't gotten very far, but he was, he was walking back towards the center circle. So it was just weird. And then the referee didn't even like run it back. He just kind of like walked it back. Yeah. And, well, and you can see, cause I just rewatched it, you know, Kalen tosses it to him. And when Kalen does that, Yaya and I can't see who else it is, but there's another Colorado Springs player running towards Kalen at that time. And then when Kalen gives the ball to the ref, they run to the ref. And Yaya puts his arm around him. He, he's like running up saying, give me the ball. And the ref's like, he blows his whistle and he points to the center circle as he's walking over there. And Yaya's like, okay. All right, I got you. And he even he does put his arm around him, and they kind of share a little chuckle. And then Yaya goes his own way, and the ref takes the ball back. So, I I think that's what it is: is just diffuse the situation, not let anything happen. Uh, maybe a little foreshadowing for a red card um, that comes up later. So, I I think it was just to try to keep things cool and and not not let there be any fights or not necessarily fights, but you know those little little scuffles that happen, especially at the end of close games like that, where there's one team's maybe accused of time wasting and the other one is, is upset. Just like the Galena thing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe in an alternate universe, Kalen and Galena get into it and Galena throws the ball at Kalen and, and still gets the red card. Who knows? So I think it's just to keep tensions from getting too high. And, and then, uh, you know, the ref just says, I got it. And we move on. Could be it. Earl, you got a response yet from Casey? Not yet. Not yet. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and move on. We'll talk about Friday night against Austin Bowl. There were there were two other matches tonight as well, not just Austin Bowl. Uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies beat Charleston Battery 1-0, and Loose City beat Hartford 4-2. And, of course, we mentioned it already, Austin beat San Antonio 2-1. All three goals in that match were scored within five minutes. Really? Yeah. I did not look at that. Yeah, Austin Austin Bold picked up the first in the 40th, uh, and then San Antonio answered in the 42nd, and then uh, Austin picked up another one in the 45th. Uh, five yellow cards, six yellow cards in that match. Looked have been might might have been a little uh, testy there for a little while. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I mean Austin's been kind of on a free fall lately. We talked about it. That's their first win in let's see six matches. Six matches, yeah. So they've been winless for a while, uh, picking up some draws in there as well. well so I take that back. Yeah, six matches. 
Yeah. Yeah, six. So uh, Austin Bowl also fighting for a playoff spot. They did just loan out a, a player uh, to RGV. So, yeah, I mean, it's you know, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, Harry was DMing me and said, you know, he felt like he Austin Bold was throwing in a towel on the season. We all know that there's a chance that Austin Bold aren't even a club next season. So who knows what's going to happen there? And, you know, how are we feeling going into Friday night? Do we feel like we've got an advantage now over Austin? Do we feel like we have maybe a little bit of momentum going out? What do you guys think? I I think that we go in with a lot of confidence. Um, yeah, even though Austin won their first game in six matches, we won our first game in seven. So, so take that, Austin. Yeah, so we suck Austin, more. Austin suck it. <laughs> um, yeah, we're the the sticky Cheerio in the middle of the in the middle of the booty. <laughs> um, <laughs> gosh. Anyways. I digress. So, yeah, I think that we come in on a on a really good confidence run, and I kind of like our chances this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, I think if we can take the positives out of this match, and you know, you know, he, I I just crapped on Juan Pablo Guzman for twenty minutes. Um, even if he's in that Azira role and Rivas is the one that drops back, I think Guzman can do what Azira did. Um, I I feel like Azira isn't going to be one that gets in the referee's face and gets in another player's face and causes tension to be high and gets a yellow card or anything like that, which we could see from Guzman, obviously. But um, yeah, I, the biggest thing that we need to take away is we... We need Rivas in the midfield there, or whoever's there. We need to do what Rivas did, and if he turns and there's acres of space, dribble into it. You know, if he turns and there's a, a long ball that can be played, play that long ball. Just push the ball forward, as opposed to just trying to control possession. When I, fe- I felt like we actually had possession with a purpose a lot of this last match, instead of just empty possession where we're passing it back and forth. I felt like we actually looked to attack and that was in large part because Rivas was back there. So I am optimistic and and feeling like we have figured some stuff out and and can turn turn it around and and hopefully get three points Friday and and get back up into a playoff position. But that's that that is going to come down to do we take things from this last match and continue them instead of going back to to our old ways of just empty possession. So um, hopefully with the result and and how well we looked, we can say, okay, you know, there were other seven matches. I know Coach talked about looking good and, and having the right process and owning possession and, and creating chances and this, that, and the other. And, and to an extent, that is true, but it didn't come close to what it looked like Saturday night. And so we, we really need to keep that going. And and I think the two things that I look at are, one, we decided to take out a very defensive-minded midfielder and put in Rivas back there as an offensive-minded midfielder, an offensive-minded defensive midfielder, if that makes sense, um, against the highest-scoring team in the league. 
So I, I like that coach wasn't like, okay, these guys are scary good on offense. We're going to play some defensive-minded players and and just play it safe. I like that he did not do that. I also think it's telling that he decided to bench Guzman, or at least not have him in the starting lineup, even with Salih knocked up. Knocked, nicked up. You guys made fun of me for saying knocked up last time, but I don't know what else to say. Uh, even with him dealing with, knock. An, even with him dealing, up, dealing with an injury and not in the 18, he still had Guzman sit, start off on the bench. And I, I think that if Salih is going to come in and play the role that we assume he's going to, I mean, I don't think you make a transfer uh, for a player that you don't intend on playing at least some. So I could see him taking some of Guzman's minutes when he gets healthy. So even with him out for him to sit Guzman makes me think that it's not just a let's give this a whirl thing. I think they really identified a problem in that players only meeting. If it was I'm saying it's a players only meeting, coach might have been there too, but um I think they really identified a problem and that problem was the midfield and the lack of attacking threat there and they changed that and hopefully that continues. And and if it does, I think we get an easy win in Austin. I think I'll, I'll save my prediction, but I, I think it could be pretty lopsided. Yeah, you know, we've actually played Austin Bowl pretty well this year. Uh, a win and two draws. We put up four goals uh, against them this year. Uh, we did, let's see, we beat them here at home back in May and then drew with them here in June, drew on the road just a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean, we looked so much better. I think that was one of the, the, I think that's probably the most dangerous we've looked in the attacking third in quite a while. And like you said, you know, Troy keeps talking about how good things, all these good things that were happening and how things were looking good. This looked really good. We looked decisive. We were moving the ball, like you said, with purpose. Uh, I like Sergio in that role. I like, you know, it's not, I don't really think of Sergio as a, as a defensive mid, but stick him in that defensive mid role. You know, like you said, he, he has the verticality. He can go North South. He can run at defenders and make them commit to something, which is what happened on Saturday night. And we saw that, you know, get, make space for Josh. Um, something else that we did really well. We've done, we've done well three times so far against Colorado Springs is deal with their pace. And, you know, we had our predictions and generally, you know, we, we generally all predict, you know, Austin on the left, Rosh on the right, Josh on the left, you know, Naj on the right, whatever. Troy completely flipped that because Barry was coming off that right-hand side and putting Austin over there. I mean, we're Troy's doing little things that are working. And so I think some some people may not be picking up on that. Like, you know, we had the opportunity to see to see Haji in person. We had, we've had an opportunity, you know, in in the preseason, we've seen a couple times now during the season, we've seen that pace and we've seen Troy capable of making adjustments and coming into the final time we're facing Austin bold this season. You know, I think we're going to see a few more adjustments. I think we're going to see Salih if he's back from, from this knock. Um, I think we see him in there. I think Salih finally gets some minutes. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, that, that he wasn't able to play last weekend. Um, uh, they, we were told it is a day-to-day thing and he should be back this week. So uh, having him in there, having Sergio doing what he's doing, especially while we don't have Moreno, who uh, still has one more match in the World Cup qualifying, I believe tomorrow night. Um, 
So uh, Sergio will probably back, or I'm sorry, Amando will probably back in town on Friday, but he likely won't travel with the club. Uh, so there's lots of things to look forward to. A lot of good things that I, I think we're going to see on Friday night. And, uh, I think I'll kick off the, the predictions this week. I think we go down there. I think we get, we put a three nil on them. Pearl. Two, one. Hmm. That's pretty modest, Earl. I thought, I thought you'd come out swinging there. But, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm a sucker, and you have one good game, and I'm going back to it. I'm going 4 0. I, yes. <laughs> I, I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen eventually this year. Um, and, and if if we can play offensively the way that we did uh, Saturday, I think it could could start to get rolling for us, and we could end up uh, coming alive here. Real quick, looking looking past Austin a little bit. I know Coach would never look past Austin, but we, you mentioned this being Austin's ours and Austin's last last match. So that means we now have finished the four game set with Austin, Colorado Springs, and El Paso. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is a if you break the other six teams in our division down into two groups and you look at Austin, El Paso? and Colorado Springs versus RGV, Real Monarchs, and San Antonio. Which two of those groups is better? So what was the first group again? So it's it's the three that we've already finished with. It's El Paso, mm-hmm. Colorado Springs, and Austin against RGV, San Antonio, and Real Monarchs. The first group. Yeah, from an overall standpoint, I think, I think that first group is better. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, and I hate, you know, I hate to lump that in the lump, the, you know, San Antonio in with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, sorry, with, 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 with monarchs, but I mean, and RGV is on the, on the downside right now. So I mean, yeah. it's really hard to, you know, I, I hate to say that. I think I, cause I think RGV is insanely talented. <laughs> I think San Antonio is too. And so it's hard to to say that that's the weaker of the two groups. I mean, if you look at the standings, it's, it's clearly the weaker. Yeah. Um, you know, you have El Paso who is head and shoulders above everybody else. Then you have Colorado Springs who is the best offensive team in the league. And, and has, is, I mean, they're only a point in second place, but they just feel like they're, trending upward and, and have played a lot better soccer, especially recently. Uh, and then Austin's kind of right there in the middle. Uh, compared to San Antonio, who's up and down, uh, have been a little bit more up lately than down. And then uh, RGV, who's, like you said, tail slide. And then uh, Real Monarchs, who's just sitting there at the bottom. So we do have three more against RGV and then two more against San Antonio and Real Monarchs. Um including the final home match um, of the season against Real Monarchs during the season. And so looking at that, I feel like our our schedule is set up fairly nice for us. Um, this Austin match is going to go a long way in determining playoff seating. Then we have Real Monarchs at home on the 19th, which 
Um, I'm I'm not going to say it's an easy win because they beat us once already and we beat them. So, um, but but you just have to like how it sets up and and I'm not going to do like I did earlier and and predict a five game win streak or anything like that because that blew up in my face rather large. But um, if we're going to make the playoffs and and I think we still have a a, a decent chance to do that, it's going to come down to to the teams that we have ahead of us now and. And I would rather be looking at three more against RGV in this position instead of three more against El Paso. Yeah, I mean, you'll get no argument from me. I think as long as we can take care of uh, take care of business within our divisional games, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think the uh, I don't think the Lou City and San Diego matches matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. Right. And Hart- Hartford either. But uh, I would like to think we pick up at least four points from those three matches. Yeah. And I mean, Louisville is going to be tough. Louisville in Louisville is, it's just going to be a tough match. No matter what, even on their worst day there, it's going to be tough. Um, San Diego is like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team. Like you just kind of never really know what you're going to get there. Um, so I'm not even going to try to assume anything there. And then Hartford started off really good, but they have been just on a complete downhill slide uh, as of late. They they went from fighting for first place to now they're out of a playoff picture. Um, so those three matches, I, I think we can get four or five, six points out of them. Um, but... If it's going to come down to those those matches against the teams that are right there fighting with us, and if we can go to RGV or come go to RGV and come up with nine points in those three matches, it's probably going to put us in the playoffs. Just it's that simple. Just because RGV will falter that much, so um, I, I'm I'm optimistic with the schedule. I, I had been worried, but I think this stretch of of Austin, Phoenix, Colorado, Austin, that we just kind of are finishing up now, had me more nervous than the rest of it. And I don't think I realized that. I just thought the back half of our schedule was pretty tough. But now looking at it, I'm like, okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel there. And we can finish this matchup with Austin, uh, who's who's got a stout defense at the very least. Um, and then we can kind of, hopefully tear apart some teams like RGV and Real Monarchs and then show some kind of fight against San Antonio in the next two matches. And then those other three are just whatever points we get out of them are just kind of icy on the cake. So, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think we're going to come away with a W this Friday. Um, I'm excited. I get Tampa Bay on Thursday and then Mexico United on Friday. And, uh, I get to watch them without interruptions, so so that will be nice because the the family is going to be back in Los Lunas, so get to just sit down and focus on them and and hopefully come away with two W's for my teams on Thursday and Friday. All right, I think that's going to just about do it for us here. Earl, how'd your draft end out? Uh, it ended up pretty decent. Um, so before we get to my draft, I do want to say. <laughs> For some reason, um, Seth knows the reason, but we have 10 extra flags. So the first 10 people 
to either private message the the group chat or the group uh, Facebook page or Twitter or whatever, whoever monitors whatever, preferably Facebook because it's easier that way, or myself or Jacob, or if you want to message Seth on Twitter or wherever he hangs out at, the flag is yours. Reddit. Reddit or Seth's on Reddit. Wherever the heck yeah. Seth lives in, in the basement over there and in, in the Seth's pools of Reddit. But anyways, the first ten people to message get the flag. Time out. Time out. Do you have eleven flags then? Yes. Well, I have twelve flags. One okay. for me, one for you. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Yeah. One for me, one for you, and then ten extra. Okay. Just, oh, just well, making sure that a, I didn't have to message you. We can add. I'll add a uh, f- four more to that. There you go. Fourteen. <laughs> Where? We need to talk off air about this because I'm. <laughs> so that's, that's that's fourteen flags, guys. Get in touch with the first fourteen people. To get in touch with with us through social media. You know, I, like Earl already gave you all the places. Get in touch with us, and we'll we'll make arrangements to meet you guys either you know in town or at, at the next home game. And uh, we'll get you guys some blackout night flags. So, all right, nice. Didn't didn't see that coming. Would have been nice to know, but uh, hey, um, sweet, cool guys. Uh, real quick, very random, but um, we'd like to talk about what's going on in our personal lives a little bit here. I got a new wallet, and I freaking love this wallet. And then, is that one of those RFID things? No, no. it's a company called Dash. And they uh, they had a Kickstarter campaign for for this particular one in my hand, and uh, it's the third version of what they call the Bando. And I like it. It's got this little thing here that when you click it or push it, your cards fan out. So it's like thirteen cards, and. Uh, and yeah, I just really like it. So I'm going to ignore Earl. And uh, I'm just going to wrap this thing up, guys. Can't believe, <clears throat> can't believe Earl would, would pull out his vibrator in the middle of the show. But um, <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, hey. To each their hey. own. To so each it, their own. So it's either my vibrator or my, or my penis or my mic. I mean, it's one of the two. You should put that on your vibrator. We're getting banned after this. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. The chat was a little quiet this tonight. Uh, we didn't have our typical uh, Harry-Jerry uh, combo there, but uh, but that's all right. We'll, uh, we'll be here next weekend, or next week, Tuesday, 9.30. Uh, probably talking about week one of the NFL a little bit and uh, for sure talking about a W for New Mexico United against Austin on Friday. So uh, be safe out there, guys. Catch us next week, 9.30 right here, or the podcast should be up on Thursdays, I believe is when you're when you're doing it, when we actually record when we're supposed to. So uh, come back. Like Earl said, the first 14, such a an exclusive number. Like we needed to make it like two. And just do this every week. No, no, hey, no. It's uh, actually good. It's actually good. So back before the season started, I did say that Illich was my signing of the offseason. And that's why it's 14. Okay. I, I'm not going to say how wrong you were, 
but um oh, i'm wrong i'm 100 percent wrong <laughs> but and I'll, good deal. I'll so, so anyways 14 of the first 14 of you to message either me earl seth or the somos mas mm facebook page uh we'll get one of those flags we'll get them to you uh either mailed out or or personally hand deliver them uh by earl or seth or myself if you're in fort sumner i guess <laughs> or clovis or roswell um but other than that, guys, be safe. Catch us again next week. And until then, somos unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.